Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Score North Twin Show. I don't, I don't think we, we're sitting here uh, going into the break feeling uh, uh, tremendous about you know everything that happened in the first. It wasn't the first half of all first halves. I mean that's um, that's for sure. But I think there are a lot of bright spots in our first half. I mean you look at the way uh, our pitching staff as a whole. You know today I, I'm you know kind of setting today aside right now, but. Uh, we really couldn't have thrown the ball overall um, much better than we did. I mean, we, we competed, we made pitches, we have guys who, who showed up this season ready to go and, and had uh, exceptional first halves all the way through. I, who's sipping his coffee right now that will not be setting yesterday aside? No. No? No. No, it's, no. just <laughs> go ahead. Explain the show because I'm just disgusted. Okay, okay. Well... After a two-year hiatus, the Scornorth Twin Show is back. Let's go, boys. Let's pump some positive energy here, okay? Let's go. Come yep. on. What we do here? Some, po- some positive vibes. When, Come on, Judge. Come when on, last Judd. we left you, for a long time, it was the first place Twin Show, <laughs> land of 10,000 rakes, which, if I'm not mistaken, has been now... Cut the brakes. Cut the brakes. ...has been ripped off by the Twins. In, in fact, I saw, as I walked to the press box in a Twin store yesterday at Target Field, a land of 10,000 rakes t-shirt that was probably cost about 40 bucks. So it was on discount? Or no, no, 40, no. I'm like saying, <laughs> okay, it was fifty then. My point is, this, my point this is, offense, this offense is not raking right now, so we should probably cut that price down. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is the return of the Score North Twin Show. Your home for Twins therapy, and it's a place where we just want the Twins to win a playoff game for the first time since 2004. Okay, that's our baseline. That's what we. If we're hard on the Twins, it's because we just want them to be better. But um, before we get into our Monday State of the Twins discussion, which we've been doing on Mackie and Judd for almost the entire season. We're making some changes to the way we distribute Mackie and Judd content here. So the headline on this podcast is, The Scorner Twin Show is back. That's right, it's back. Here we go. <laughs> but starting this week, we are essentially blending a lot of our Mackie and Judd content into our team-centric shows. So when we talk Timberwolves, it'll be part of Flagrant Howls. When we talk Twins, it'll be Scorner Twin Show. Judd's Hockey Show is going to have the Hockey Whisperer or, uh, I guess, what's the word when you, like, by proxy, because he's still on hiatus, technically. Well, I'm so hoping he comes he'll back. He'll appoint yeah. me by proxy. I'm hoping yeah. he just comes back, but let's, you know. We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. And so 
we just see so much positive feedback with our team sent shows, obviously with, with Purple Daily being, you know, one of the, for 17 straight months, one of the top 15 uh, national football podcasts in the country, the way that people discover content. We're just, we're going to pour more energy into our team centric shows. We will still have Mackie and Judd features. If you listen to the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, all of this will still be delivered to you that way. And the score North YouTube channel and the purple daily YouTube channel. So really like nothing changes in the way that you consume Mackie and Judd or the team centric shows except for the fact that we are pouring more content into the team-centric podcast. More Flagrant Howls, more Judd's Hockey Show, and not only more Scorner Twin Show, the Scorner Twin Show for the first time in two years. So we're super pumped about this. And I think in particular with this show, I'm really glad it's back because of this. And and I feel like um, uh, Purple Daily serves this purpose too, but this Twin Show especially. And it's this because we see this on... Twitter and I know this team is not like super compelled. Well, they they're compelling for all of the wrong reasons. But why I like that this show is back is what I think we offer better than anyone in town, which is the therapy slash it's okay to be mad program. Now, if they're doing well, we're going to celebrate it. Like that's awesome. Um, Thirteen wins for the Vikings last season was awesome. It was great. But I also feel like, especially Twins fans now, that there's not an outlet where if they're upset or if they're like, well, what's going on here, that they're not sort of shamed. You know, ah, fans, uh, typical fans, you know, you guys want to change everything. This show allows you a forum. This show allows you a place to, it's okay to be, consider yourself a really good Twins fan and not have a smile on your face about this team constantly. Yeah, you'd say there there is room to love your favorite team yes. and be and be upset about it, and so we'll 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 use this not all the time. There's definitely going to be. I mean, I'm I'm going to be a homer, probably more than you are, but um, this is a forum for Twins therapy at this point yep. because and we can get into the overall snapshot that that will lead us into the talkers and the fir- the the first one is a big question, but they have a 45 and 46 record. They're a half game behind the Guardians. Their pitching and defense outside of yesterday has been phenomenal through the first half of the season, second in runs allowed per game. The offense is 24th in runs scored per game. And again, yesterday, it was just like, while the Orioles are, it started off as like paper cutting the Twins to death, and then they start hitting bombs, and it was just everything, right? But still, sitting here, under 500, a half game out of first place in a bad division, baseball reference still gives the Twins a 72% chance to make the playoffs, a two and a half percent chance to win the World Series. You're telling me there's a chance. Mm-hmm. Fangrass gives the Twins a 58 percent chance to make the playoffs and a three percent chance to win the World Series. So, as bad as it feels after yesterday, the path is still there to go play in October to win your first playoff game since 2004. Mm-hmm. So, before we get into the big question to start this show here, which involves trading for a big bat. Any quick thoughts from you guys on just like the relaunch of the Scorner Twin Show, the overall snapshot of where they sit at the All Star break? Go ahead, Dex. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just excited to kind of blend more of these team centric things together. Um, it, I think it's important to kind of just kind of lean into all that stuff. And I mean, look, we're we're at this awkward week where there is it's the only three days in all of the calendar year where there's no men's professional sport game going on in the core four of of the MLB, NBA. NHL, NBA, there's no games going on because it's the all-star break for baseball. Um, but I think it's important to kind of lean into more of these stuff because fans want that type of content. So 
Yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. I'm also very excited to potentially get into a heated debate over here, whether the Twins should be trading for one of the best bats uh, in baseball. Yes. So this State of the Twins episode is presented by our friends at Modest Brewing. Just steps away from Target Field. (laughs) It's just right off the light rail. Old Macadac went to his local liquor store and uh, bought a... Bought a few modest himself over the weekend. Enjoyed them while soaking in some sun. It's one of the coolest craft breweries in the Twin Cities. It opened in 2016. Still relatively new, but they've just kind of exploded the last few years. Um, and they recently began expanding distribution into New York, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, South Dakota. So even if you live outside of Minnesota, modestbrewing.com, gentlemen, modestbrewing.com. All right, here's the question. Should the Twins trade for Paul Goldschmidt? So, just to set this up, our guy Trevor Plouffe, I think on the was at the Talking Baseball podcast. Dex, yes, yep, he floated this, mm-hmm. and like the I mean the Cardinals, they haven't finished below five hundred since two thousand seven. They haven't been this bad, which is fourteen games under five hundred, since like nineteen ninety five, I believe. I saw. They're just kind of dead in the water. Their pitching is in tra- They've got a couple good pitchers who are going to hit free agency. Wainwright is 100 years old. You know, they're just like in this reset mode for the first time in a long time. Paul Goldschmidt is 35 years old, so he's no spring chicken, but he just won the MVP last year in the National League. He's mashing this season. Not quite MVP level mashing, but he's on pace for like 70 extra base hits. He's still an OBP machine, 370 on base percentage. He only makes $26 million this year, and that's going to be prorated for half the season, right? And $26 million next year. So it's a year and a half of Paul Goldschmidt. Now, Derek Falvey was asked by reporters over the weekend on the possibility of trading for offense. And he said, quote, I still believe the vast majority of the offense will get the remainder of the season is going to come from the guys in that room. It's not going to be via acquisition that's going to make the primary difference. I think the crux of it is the vast majority of production is going to come from those 26 guys you have in that room. Can we add and complement that? Sure, but I think those guys are going to have to perform and be the engine that we built for the team. So he's basically saying, hey, we built a good engine. Yep. It needs to go. Like, let's. It, yep. I kind of interpret yeah, yep. this as him saying, it ain't our fault. These guys aren't living up to their, you know, their career standards. Mm-hmm. So would you guys consider giving this offense a jolt. It's the number two pitching staff and defense in baseball runs allowed per game. Would you go and try to make a big splash like this? I was on the fence on this until I actually, uh, when you threw this question out a couple days ago, started to dig on this team and find out how flawed this team truly is. And the pitching has been good. And I feel bad because the starters have certainly held up their end of the bargain. But we are now, what, a little more than officially halfway through the season. The Twins started this season on May 1st, which was an off day. They were 17-12 and 12 in first place. Since that date, so since May 2nd, when they came back and played their first game in May, they are 28-34. and 34. The Twins are 9-1 and one against Kansas City. Strip out a minor league team, and by the way, they're going to go to Oakland and play three after the All-Star break, and that also is a joke dumpster fire franchise. But take out the nine and one against Kansas City, and the Twins are thirty six and forty five. So the flaws here run fairly deep, and yes, Paul Goldschmidt could help you, but there is no way on God's green earth that I am greenlighting this trade if I am the Polads. And I know what you're going to say next, which is the Polads don't care, and you might be right. 
I can't debate that, but I have to get into their minds and think, what would I allow? And Paul Goldschmidt turns 36 in September. As far as I'm concerned, he's probably going to go to a team because I do think that he gets moved. It makes too much sense for the Cardinals not to leverage jet that chip. But Paul Goldschmidt, to me, is a final piece of the puzzle guy to a team that's going to make a run. The reality is this. Carlos Correa is not in a slump. He is having a miserable season. What, what, but, what, but what differentiates a bad three months from, like, you, you're saying that he, this is a new baseline for Carlos Correa? I am saying for this season, this is my assumption. Yeah, I expect him to come back, actually, in 2024 and be good again. But whatever it is, every time that the apologists say, well, Correa went three hits tonight, it's a new Correa, it's a new Correa, what happens? Carlos Correa comes back and goes back into a slump. Byron Buxton provides you some power, but his at-bats have become difficult to watch. Case in point yesterday, 3-0 count. Next three pitches, including a terrible strike three take, he takes them and goes back. He is now at about 210. And, and... The reality is he hits for some power, but as far as what we expected the Buxton experience would be, we are nowhere close. So you're telling me you're going to get Paul Goldschmidt, which, by the way, I don't think that you can win the potential bidding war for him. I looked at their wow. farm system yesterday. Um, it is so, so I did some digging on the potential trade uh, candidates for my guy Goldie, okay? The Giants have a southpaw by the name of Kyle Harrison, who is the 15th overall prospect per MLB pipeline, who could be traded. The Marlins, thrown out as a candidate, actually four of their top five prospects are all pitchers. And by the way, the Cardinals are targeting pitching back because, as Phil just said, they've got a lot of guys who are either coming off the books or just aren't going to be back. The Phillies, their top three prospects, all pitchers. Um, the The Twins have... They're third and fourth on the Twins. So they're per, so in the MLB Pipeline Twins rankings, they're third and fourth prospects. A kid at high A, which is Cedar Rapids, named Connor Prelip. And yeah, he's, he's, he's a struggle bus. He's a struggle bus. And a guy at double A by the name of Marco Ray, I believe, R-A-Y-A. Yeah, he's he's actually they're like right now they're right. probably most successful young pitching prospect. Right, but those guys are ranked third and fourth in the organization. They are not even in the top one hundred. So I so I don't think you have the assets to get Goldie. But all of that being said, I also don't think it's worth it for a thirty soon to be thirty six year old guy who might give you a little bit of pop, but we're going to get to a different subject, which I think would actually give you far more pop, far more influence than going to get a guy for a team that, let's be honest, too. Again, you guys, I don't care what the pitching says. They're 36 and 45 if you but take you, out you, the but Royals. You, but you can't, you can't say, I don't care what the pitching says. The pitching is but, excellent. Right. They need better hitting. They do, but That's what I'm saying what is you can't, but to, you are, you're assuming that Goldschmidt is going to be in a lineup that has any competence. Carlos Correa is halfway through one of, no, not one of, the worst season of his career. Byron well, Goldschmidt is the competence. Byron Buxton. You'd be adding right, the but, competence. But what I'm saying is it's not going to be enough, and you can't even get him. You're not going to be Jackson. able to get him. Uh, yeah, you can get him. I think you can get him. So here's what I would do. So the, the Cardinals want pitching, right? That's, what, that's their biggest thing here. Mm-hmm. They probably also 
want a pitcher that is established. So I'm dangling Bailey Ober as the start. Forget the prospect. Forget the prospect because prospects are are subjective, and also the Twins don't really have the high-end pitching prospect to give up. So what can you give up instead? A ready-made starter who you can control for five years. Bailey Ober wow. is a pretty damn good pitcher. Ba- Bailey wouldn't be five years. Would he, would he be five? This yeah, is like least part of a third. Four? I don't know if his, what his, what his, his clock has accelerated at. I have to look at it. You'd have he's a, 27, by the way, so he's, he is like in his prime. Yep. So you'd get an established piece in your rotation that He'd be So you get control. him through 2027. So you get him. So yeah, you get him for four, five, six, yep. I guess, for Four and a half seasons. Okay. So I would give up that. And then I, I, I know that everything's always changing with the Goldschmidt camp. But what I have seen from the reports, what you would have to give up to get them, they're asking for at least a couple top 100 prospects. I'm counting Bailey Ober as one of those top guys. So I'm only going to give up one top 100 prospect. So I would, I don't want to give up Brooks Lee, but that's probably what it would cost. <sighs> it would probably cost that. Now, he's also 35, 36. He's a reigning NL MVP. He's an on-base machine. He might be going to Cooperstown, for God's sakes. He's a really damn good hitter. Uh, but I also don't believe teams are going to be shelling out numerous prospects for a guy who is 35, 36, and coming down the hill potentially. So I, I would give up Bailey Ober, and I would give up probably Marco Raya and another fringe top 10 prospect. That's kind of what I would do. It. And Brooks, so Brooks Lee, Ober, and Raya? This is so, this is so I, would, I would say... Because you're not going to get him. That's, you, a, that's a haul, man. Yeah. That, but that's what they're going to get. But here's the thing. So th- this is all right. I side more with Declan, and and it's not that I dismiss anything. Pretty much everything Judge just said is correct. I would probably disagree. I do think there's a hot streak in there for Carlos Correa. I I think there's going to be like a one or two month jolt, and it hasn't happened yet. Which actually, if you believe it's going to happen, is more ammunition to try and add things to this team because you're looking at this team and saying. Like I heard, you know, Glenn Perkins and Dick Bramer on the broadcast yesterday talking about how this team should probably be ten games above five hundred, and they had like a, a half inning discussion about it. And I, I agree, their run differential says they should be. The track records of some of these guys in the lineup, Royce Lewis is going to come back from an oblique at some point, and he's been one of their best hitters when he's been healthy. But guy can't stay on the field. So if you believe that this team is bubbling under the surface. And there's going to be some positive regression that starts sometime in July, sometime in August. Imagine also adding one of the best hitters in the last ten years to the middle of this lineup. Like to me, that's to me the discussion should be more about could you actually pull it off with to Judge's point. Like if the Cardinals want pitching, if you go to them and say, "Hey, we'll give you a 27 year old Bailey Ober. Do you want a 27 year old pitcher?" Or if they're getting offers for 21, 22 year old pitchers, right? with a full slate of team control who can be number one starters. Like that's, that's how they should be leveraging Goldschmidt to go get a future number one starter. And the twins don't have that. I'm sorry. Bailey Ober is not a number one starter. Marco Raya is probably not a number one starter, but I would make them turn me down. This is a win now situation. You have put yourself in a spot. You've traded all this prospect capital for pitchers last year. Look at the last few years. I mean, it's funny. Like if you cobble together some of the guys that you traded for like Tyler Malley, for instance, and you had those assets in the bank, you could make a run at guys like Paul Goldschmidt. So you're sitting here, it's like you maybe have like one more batch of prospects you could trade for one more piece. And if you get that piece, you almost certainly win the division, and you go into the playoffs with an excellent pitching staff. Now, taking Bailey Ober off of this pitching staff means that you can't have any injuries to your th- top three guys. You need Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, and uh, and you Lopez. need uh, Pablo Lopez to be 
absolutely dialed in the rest of the season. So it gives you almost no margin of error. But this is where they're at. Yeah. Like they've spent three years trying to win now and they have failed. And they're still they're sitting here with one of the best run prevention teams in baseball, a half game out of first place. I would tell the front office if I'm the poll ads, you know what? Go. Let's do it. Sick of this. Like Joe Polad used the word urgency. Let's do it. What the hell? Like you put the, you you've, you sign Carlos Correa. Byron Buxton's on the field. Royce Lewis is coming back. Alex Kirloff is, you know, having a pretty good season for the most part offensively, getting on base at a pretty high clip. Like, let's make a push for it. If we think this thing is going to regress in a positive direction, let's give it some some nitro and boost this thing. In reality, do you think, after what we've seen, that it is going to go in offensively a positive direction, though? Because I don't. Yes. Oh, I do I think Carlos Correa is going to finish the season like this? No. It's been, but it's but the sample size now for the season to me is too long. There's there's got to be concern about that. You cannot assume that that I'm a not guy. Saying there's not concern. Yeah. I'm saying I believe that he's not going to finish with. I'm not. He's not going to finish this far below his career norms. And there's still like, well, seventy games left to play to to straighten it out. But the problem with that is he was when it counted a year ago. He finished below his norms, and then he got hot when the pressure was off too. So, like, we're in the second year of when it matters. He is not producing offensively. But, yeah, but we're in, like, the like he had five years in Houston where everything mattered all the time, and he was a really good hitter. I know. And I'm, some huge postseason moments. Like, a guy who's been there. It's not like he's not a theory. Like, he is an established postseason performer and player that this could Carlos get hot Cor- in October. This Carlos Correa is not, though. That Carlos Correa was. I've seen, Listen, too, I've seen too much when it matters to dismiss what we're seeing right now. But what are you? So here's my question: What is what is the move? Like if they if they well, I've got the move because right for now you, you can get to that. Okay, Tra- trading for Paul Goldschmidt to me is not the move that this team needs because okay. I got to shake things up way more than that. Okay, well, but hold on, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, and I think Declan's talking about moves that can help them win in October this season. They're yep. a half game out of their division. Yep, they're they, the best team in the division roster wise. Like. We're talking about winning this October, taking advantage of an opportunity. I know that this team has flaws, but like you still have an opportunity in front of you. Okay. So that's, mm-hmm. are you coming at it from that same perspective? Or are you talking about like a huge organizational shakeup? Where are you, where are you coming at? Here? I'm talking both actually. I'm talking okay. a, a short term move that's going to give you a jolt and a long term move that's going to blow things sky high. Okay. I'm talking that's about here. both things. This team. In fact, I got the records right here because I was looking this up yesterday as well in, in my work on this. So in 2019 and 20, Baldelli's first two years, and I think by then the second year of Derek, or the third year, I believe. I think he came in 17, right? Mm-hmm. In 2019 and 20, this team played 617 games, including the truncated 60-game pandemic season, and went 137 and 85. Which is, I'm, I'm sorry, which is a 617 winning percentage in 222 games. So, made the playoffs both years, didn't win a playoff game, won the division though both years. So, we are now into the third season after that of Baldelli. This team, and Falvey, I should say to be fair, this team is 196 and 219 in 472 games through yesterday. That is a 415 winning percentage. That is that 
that means a couple things. One, it means the longer Baldelli has been here, the worse this team has gotten as far as, as its success based on those first two years. And the longer Falvey has been here, the more this team has disintegrated, despite the fact that he has been, and I, I want to make something very, very clear here. You can fault the poll ads for seemingly not paying attention, but you cannot fault them for being cheap. They are investing in players. They are investing in technology equipment that surpasses a lot of teams probably. They are investing in front office hires. Um, They're probably double the size right now of employees in baseball ops than they were from Terry Ryan's days. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the short-term boost is this. I fire Rocco right now. I fire him today, and I and I put Jace Tingler in charge because I want to jolt. If I'm going to even, if I'm even going to consider the Goldschmidt trade, I need to jolt this entire team first. Not not just with a player. I need to jolt this entire team. And I just gave you the justification for no matter how much or how little you want to blame Rocco. I just gave you the justification to make a move. This is the third consecutive year of subpar performances. And I also and I also think that we've seen enough too, including yesterday, when they give up 15 runs. And yes, it's one game, but again, with if you take Kansas City out of their out of the record for the Twins, Twins are nine and one against KC, 36 and 45 against the rest of baseball. And yesterday, Rocco basically talks about yeah, the All Star break comes at a good time, you know. Uh, the fire that we saw after the Braves game is long gone, and Rocco goes back to being Rocco. And I get made fun of this, but the total lack of accountability surrounding this team is astounding. Um, oh, it's incredible. Oh, God, no one but, ever, like, his, no, historically, no but, one ever so, loses their job. So Phil, unless it's- so, Phil, if you go to work, and, and you're in charge of, of this, so it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but if you yeah, were— right. I'm, the, I'm Joe Polad. But if you bitches. were working at a—yeah, yeah, there's urgency not, here. Though. Actually, Stanley Hubbard would be like the Polad. Yeah. So, <laughs> please don't fire me a second time. So if, if you are—if you go to work, though, right, and there's never any accountability to people, it gets really frustrating. And if you are an overachiever, at some point in time, you're like, what the hell— and if you're lazy, you're like, this is great. No account. I can go over four and I'm going to play tomorrow. You know, Max Kepler now has been given a green light to play every day. Despite the fact he's gone back in the tank again after a brief, just extremely, extremely predictable pop up because he got screamed at, you know. Well, what's amazing is like people internally are sick of Max Kepler. Yes. But nothing happens. Right. He just sits there on so, this contract and underachieves like factually and objectively, people internally are sick of Max Kepler. Well, yes. But he's just in the lineup every single day. And that's right? the thing. And, and his and his spurts are predictable. They are predictable because you could tell he got screamed at. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to show you for a couple of days. And then the next thing you know, he's grounding out to second base and we're back to where we were. And he is in the lineup. Joey Gallo just magically appears every day, hits a home run a week, and strikes out the rest of the time. Is this all Rocco's fault? No. But a lack of accountability in that clubhouse is. And I'm sick of this. I'm sick of seeing this team. And in this case, I feel bad for the pitchers because I do think that they have more than pulled the load here. But I am sick of this dead-ass team showing up and doing what it wants and basically rolling over you know, Rocco whenever it wants. It's just clear that there is no direction here. And that is on the manager.
I am, but here, and that's why I want, if I'm going to consider your Goldschmidt move, I got to make more moves than that to, to at least tell these guys, you know what? There's accountability now because if Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton think that somehow they're the captains of this team, one, they're underachieving, which makes it very tough to lead. And two, they ain't doing a good job regardless. You know, what's weird about the Rocco thing, I'm going to go back to this Falvey quote for a second. All right, so Falvey is saying, hey, I mean, we could make a move, but let's be honest. We, quote, those guys in the room are going to have to perform and be the engine that we built for this team. He is telling you, front office is telling you, we believe in this engine. This is a good engine, which we could sit here and pick apart as we have, right? Like just like the Gallo thing and Kepler and all this stuff, right? Oh, the, the pitching has been a very formidable engine. So if the front office thinks this is a good engine and the pieces are underperforming, the manager's job is to create an environment, whether it's through you know, lineups or bullpen matchups or whether it's through culture, it's through information and scouting dissemination, making sure that every player is performing at or near their peak, you know, 90th percentile or whatever, right? And so from that standpoint, I think the answer is very clearly no. The, the the lineup is not performing at that level. It's hard to sit here and say, here are the five reasons Rocco should for sure be fired. But it's also hard on the other side of the fence to defend him and say, here's why he for sure deserves. Like, the, the defense of Rocco is like, well, but look at all these other things that aren't. I mean, it's not his fault, right? Like, there's no real concrete defense of why something shouldn't be done at this point. Right. And so, like, if. Yes. If he got if he got fired tomorrow, would I like be outraged and say, What a huge mistake? No, not at all whatsoever, because something needs to change for this team to get sparked in the second half of the season. So okay. I guess I look at it as number one, you keep Rocco for the rest of the season. because um, as currently constructed, the twins have a better chance of winning a postseason game in twenty twenty three than they do next season. As currently constructed on July 10th, we went to July 10th, 2024, their chance of winning a playoff game right now, in my opinion, is better than it is this time next year. Just because circumstances are different, can't guarantee you're going to be in a better team next year. You have a good chance to win a postseason game for the first time in 20 years this season. Yep. If they fall flat of that, hell, if they fall flat even making the playoffs, yes, I am down. But Hit the DNT button, blow him. it up. No, no, no. You fire him now to win that playoff game. That's the point. Yeah, you're saying you're saying that extracting Rocco and yes. putting a new voice in, or in this case, Jace Tingler, who Jace Tingler had a nice, it was like one good year with the Padres where yeah. they kind of, but he knows how to do the job. Him. Yes. And so you're, you're just, you're hoping that his voice and direction and infrastructure building sparks things for the last two and a half months of the season. Right? So here's another one for you. This is from uh, Jim Suhan's sit down with Joe Polad yesterday at target field in the star tribune. Basically, like, would they do something like this? Would the Polads, led by Joe Polad, make a big move in the face of disappointment and, and underachieving? And Suhan lays it out and says, the Polad family has owned the Twins since 1984. If there's a common thread from Carl, who bought the team from Calvin Griffith, down to Bob, to Jim, etc., it would be patience. The Polads didn't fire Tom Kelly after eight consecutive losing seasons. Or Terry Ryan, who ran the club as general manager for six of those seasons. And then, by the way, had like more losing seasons when he came back and, and was given, at the time, like a lifetime job, right? 
They've only had four managers and four GMs since 1986. Will patience be a hallmark of Joe Polad's tenure? He hesitated before answering. Quote, I did just talk about urgency, he said. We'll have to see. End quote. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting, justified, and now I'm curious if it's acted upon. Because my next move, when season is done, Derek Falvey should be gone too. There is Listen, a, why is that? Why is that like a controversial note? Like when you say that, I, I can I can feel all of like Twins territory being like, <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, he said that. Oh my! God. He didn't say what? that, did he? He couldn't have said that. It's like okay. I mean, this is think about, and I don't I don't think you should be like some of these franchises where you're just firing everyone on a whim because you didn't right. But we're not talking about like one disappointing season here. We're talk we're talking about three underachieving seasons in which you are trying to win the worst division in baseball. Right. On the back of major playoff failures and a lot of bad trades, right? Like it's a it, this is a a warehouse full of stuff that you would be making this move for. Yes. No, I think like let's see how the season plays out here, but like to to be oh my god, how could they to, to suggest that what you're saying with Rocco or Derek Falvey is somehow out of bounds yes. is uh, fascinating to me among Twins fans. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, so so if the contention or the goal of this show is to not necessarily win a championship, but win a playoff game for, for the first time in 18 years, which, by the yeah. way, by the way, the justification I've seen, and I have no problem with this because baseball's weird. The, justi- the justification I've seen for why the Twins shouldn't uh, consider trading Sonny Gray or why Goldschmidt works is because baseball, once you get in, is a crapshoot. So if you get in the playoffs, you know, you can make a run, you get get hot, it's a lot in that way, it can be like hockey. But here's my question off of that then. If that is the goal of this show, do you guys think that Derek Falvey and Rocco Baldelli, who are now 0-5 in playoff games, I believe, do you guys think that those two gentlemen give this team the best chance possible to break the 18-game playoff losing streak? Uh, I mean, that's a, I think they're 0-6. I don't, it, it, at this point, it, it doesn't really matter, like, who, if they, if they get in this year, they could win a playoff game, regard, like, Declan could be running the team, and they could they could win a playoff, like, everything is kind of set for this year, for like, except for a trade deadline well, move. Rocco they, could screw it up. He he could lose. No, but Judd, could, it's baseball. If you get it, like, if you get into a playoff game. I know what you're saying, but I'm just saying Rocco Baldelli has the ability. We've seen it before. The two Astros games, Phil, they they could have won either one of those games if they had handled the pitching right. And Rocco, well, heck, the Yankees game, game two, like the Twins, the Twins hurt themselves with the ability to do exactly what you're saying because they were mismanaged in all yeah. of those games. Let me, can I just, I just, I, I guess I take issue with like the small, like the the narrow sample size of your question. I want to broaden it out and answer your questions. Like if you were to ask me, do I think Derek Falvey plus Thad Levine, that that combination 
is among the top 10 to 15 leadership groups of a baseball front office right now in 2023? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I do not think so. Uh, I don't know what those rankings would look like, but I know that they have tried very, very, very hard to win games the last three years. And it's just been now you could you could raise your hand and say, but injuries, right? But but some of the injury stuff is self inflicted gambles and risks that you're taking on pitchers like Tyler Malley and Chris Paddock and what's his name, Sam Dyson, yep. with the injury from the Giants whatnot. So yep. uh, I don't know. I guess I do. I, do I feel confident that the that the Twins are sitting on? If you would have asked me four or five years ago, I would have said absolutely one of the top ten groups. Look what they look what they built. But the game has also changed a lot since 2019. Yep. a lot. Yep. Look at look at some of the like look at the the home run to fly ball ratio compared to four years ago. The ball is different. The game is different. The rules are different this year than they were a year ago. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like like it's a it's an unrecognizably different game in a lot of ways from where it was when they had early success leading this front office. And I think a no Judd's answer, but. Even going back to nineteen and twenty, and then looking how this current team, current team is constructed, have they learned from those mistakes? Like pulling a pitcher, putting a dang Uber driver in game two. Like I think the circumstances are a lot different too. And you'd like to hope, and this is a big assumption, you'd like to hope they've learned from those mistakes. And to Judd's point, why should we even give them the benefit of the doubt if they haven't learned from those mistakes? And as Phil just said, though they haven't, because guess what? The game has changed. They refuse to change. Max Kepler and Joey Gallo, and this is a small thing, but it's a big thing because it speaks to state of mind, are unplayable. And yet, they're playing all of the time. They, they, The lack of adjustments, the lack of willingness, and this is in sports, absolutely crucial to admit, you know what, we screwed up. Too bad, didn't work out, but we screwed up. Let's change it. And the other thing, too, and this is the thing that concerns me most, um, and it's why I, it's part of the reason why a Goldschmidt trade doesn't interest me, Every time this team has gone out with Falvey as as, uh, president of baseball operations and tried to make a trade to improve itself in season, it has screwed the pooch. The Joe Ryan trade's a great trade, but that was the reverse. That was, we'll send you Cruz to Tampa. You need a bat. Give us Joe Ryan back. Great trade. The Cincinnati trade. If Malley was pitching, it would be bad. He's not pitching, and it's a disaster. The paddock trade, you traded for a guy you knew was hurt. His arm was dangling. And yet you paid a large portion of not only paddock salary, but Rogers' salary as well. The Sam Dyson trade is among the stupidest trades. Again, it's a guy who turned out to be hurt, a terrible guy. Okay, you know what? You screwed up there. But this team, Unless I am forgetting this right now, you guys, this team has never made with Derek Falvey in charge an in-season trade to improve itself for a playoff run that has worked out. Sergio Romo, I like, I like Sergio Romo trade. Good trade, it's pretty good. It's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. I think that's fun. as close. He was, as you can he was get. funny. He was funny. He was fun to have around. Was fun. No, no, but no, that was, he was like an annoying big... pain in the ass. His teammates <laughs> hated like, him. He never yeah, shut up. He's, like, he's a one-year fun guy. He's fun to talk to. He's like Patrick <laughs> Beverly, kind of, right? Yeah, like, yeah it's a yeah. great comp. Yes. Yes. Like one year of, of him. So Good can point. I give you guys one? I have one more note here before we get to Immaculate Grid. Just one more oh. positive on the state of the Twins. It's, or I should say not one more positive. It's a positive on top of everything we just talked about. So uh, Walker Jenkins was the Twins' first-round draft pick yesterday, number five overall. He's regarded as one of the top high school players in the country from MLB Pipeline. 
He was North Carolina's best prep position prospect since Josh Hamilton went number one in 1999. Nice. And Josh Hamilton had some off-the-field stuff that kind of delayed his emergence into baseball. But uh, we all know how his career turned out at the peak. It was fantastic. Uh, and then the Athletics' Keith Law had Jenkins as fifth on his top 100 prospects list, citing his six foot three, 205-pound frame, 30-home run potential as a hitter. You know, old Macadac used to, uh, used to dabble as a major league baseball writer, covered the twins for a number of years. And so I had uh, a scout from a different team. I'm just like, what do you think about the three guys the twins drafted yesterday? So uh, Walker Jenkins with the fifth pick, Charlie Soto was the 34th pick. He's the right-handed pitcher. And then Luke Keyshaw with the 49th overall pick from Arizona state. He's a (laughs) Luke Keyshaw as a 20 year old in the pac 12 hit. 353 with a 725 slugging percentage, 18 bombs, 25 doubles, a triple, 58 ribs, and 18 stolen bases in 55 games for ASU, which is a really good program. And uh, my scout friend said, the Twins have a great draft going. Love the Walker Jenkins pick. Keyshaw is a steal with the 49th overall pick, and Soto's going to be really good too. He's got tons of room for growth, already has physical presence, et cetera. So the Twins have had some major gaffes in the last three or four years high in the draft. I mean, unless some of these guys turn around, like Aaron Sabato, yeah. Keone Cavaco, Noah Miller. They've traded away a couple guys too, but um, take it, it's, just, it's just one guy in the nose opinion says that they're having a hell of a draft early on here. So Now, those guys aren't going to help you this September. <laughs> But um, but this was the eighth top five pick the Twins have had over the last 25 years, referring to uh, Walker Jenkins, Royce Lewis, Nick Gordon, Cole Stewart, Byron Buxton, Joe Maurer, Adam Johnson, B.J. Garby. Oh, so wow. hopefully he's more along like the Joe Maurer, Royce Lewis, Byron Buxton, you know, when they're all healthy and not the uh, B.J. Garby sort of. Adam Johnson, my God. Yeah, that was rough. Blast from the rough. past. So there you go. All right. You guys ready for a little immaculate grid challenge here? Presented by our friends at Summit Orthopedics. We appreciate them jumping on board here at Score North. If you're dealing with any type of pain involved with your ankles, feet, back, neck, spine, elbows, hands, wrists, whatever, Summit Orthopedics can help. No referrals are needed. They offer same-day appointments. And if you're really in pain, old Macadac actually threw his back out yesterday. you got to be careful. You're getting old, dude. You can't be doing that. I have a heating pack. cardio. Oh boy! Just start doing cardio. I got sunburn yesterday. That well, I do cardio I too. I don't just, lift was, anything. Uh, you don't that. need to lift. I haven't lifted in thirty years. I'm fine. I yeah. I just hoist. <laughs> I I just hoist cans. Anyhow, uh, if you're really hurting like me, maybe I should stop into the uh, urgent care. Eight 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 P. Twenty five locations yeah, in the Twin Cities. You should learn more at summitortho.com. Summitortho. First aid experience. Away do it. You should oh do it. God. You should go, and then you can tell us about your great experience and your back will feel good. It's not a bad idea. It's really it. bad. All right, Immaculate Grid. If you haven't done the ImmaculateGrid.com, it's very addicting. So we got some so, twins once here, boys. So Dex, can you explain this to the audio audience yes. too, because oh, they can't God. see the visual? I love. So this. there is a left to right horizontal vertical tic tac toe box. That's the best way I can describe this. And there's teams you have to match in certain squares, and also statistics that you have to match in certain squares. So from left to right, we have to get a Cub with a Red Sox, 
a cub with the Cleveland Guardian and a Chicago Cub that won a Cy Young. In the middle row, we have to get a twin with the Red Sox, a twin with the Guardian, and a twin that won a Cy Young. Oh, that's easy. And from the bottom row, we need a Boston Red Sox pitcher who had 3,000 strikeouts, a Guardians pitcher who had 3,000 strikeouts, and a Cy Young 3,000 strikeout pitcher for any team. That's how we got to do this. And ideally, if you're playing at a really high level, you go for the rarity score, which is like players that... Okay, I do too, I think. Oh, this is simple. Yeah. So five minutes on the clock. Five minutes on the clock, boys. I'm going to start right now. Okay. All right. Cubs, Red Sox, I've got Bill Buckner. Okay, Buckner's good. I have Nomar. Which one's more rare? Yeah, that's my... It's probably Buckner. It's Buckner's a little old I think people. I think people playing the Immaculate Grid probably Are know old? more. I, well, like, I think it's more younger people. Okay. So I think they How might. How about Mark? What if we did Mark Bellhorn for a really, a really Are obscure one? Are we for sure that he played for both? Yes. Okay. Mark did, Bellhorn. Oh, hold on. Uh-oh, you're costing us time, Declan. I know, sorry. Mark Bellhorn. All right. 1%. Good okay. Yes. Okay. Cleve- okay. How about let's do the let's do the twins ones. Yeah. Let's do the twins ones here. Let's okay. just rifle them off. Uh, we got four minutes left. Doug, Doug Mankiewicz is one who I thought of. Brunanski is the one I thought of. Yeah. Bruno. Bruno. Let's go rarity score. Let's show off. One uh, percent. Guardian and twin. I have Pavano. Bly Levin. Oh. Ooh. Pavano's a good. Let's do Pavano. That's a fun sure. One. This is great. We're all over this. 1%. Twin who won the Cy. So this I one. Mean, Johan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This one Perry. Have, so. Jim Perry oh, let's won go, let's go. Let's go rare. Well, Jim Perry. Is Perry going to count? Was he with the Nationals or was he with the Twins? Jim twins, Perry. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, the Senators. Yeah, Senators. Sorry. Jim Perry. Did Jim Perry win a, a Cy with the Twins? Yeah, but that, you know what? Just in case, just go. <laughs> okay. right, we'll go yeah, Johan. Yeah. Just in case. Johan. Go Santana. I'll go Johan. That's gonna wreck our. It's gonna right, wreck so our. 80, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. fine. All right. That's fine. A, cu- a cub for a Cy Young award. I mean, for the Fergie Jenkins ever win one? Greg did, Maddox did he win one? That, that's what I was gonna ask well, you. But, wow, but, it's, but it's but but so he won one with the Braves. Yeah. But he, and he pitched for the Cubs. It, right. Got, no, no, no. It's it has got to be. It, it has yeah. to be with a the cub Cubs? who won a yeah. Cy did, Young award. Did Rick Sutcliffe win it in '84 in his 16 and one season? That's a really good one. I know you don't like wins, but he was 16 so, one. I can tell what Arietta won one like four years ago, so we have that one in our back pocket. But didn't he win it? Oh no, that's he won right. With the Cubs. Yep, yep, yep. So we, we have that. We do have that. I don't know that Maddox won one with the Cubs. Yeah, that's. I don't I'm think not. Carrie sh- Wood or Mark Pryor no, ever won didn't. one. I bet you're right about Fergie Jenkins, but I'm not sure of that. I want okay, to say Sutcliffe in, but yeah, J- Jake's good because that's probably. Okay, I think it'll we got two and a half minutes left. We're halfway home. Yeah, we're fine. Forty-nine percent. Um, All right, we got. Joe, you want to? You want to do a cub? A cub who was a Cleveland? A Gardo here. Joe Carter was got traded for Sutcliffe in oh, that trade. Joe Carter. Wow, or or, or wait 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 wait. Actually, you know what? Mel Hall, right? Didn't Mel Hall? Oh, yeah, it's. I don't know. Maybe that's going to be a rare pull. Mel what? Hall, who I think is incarcerated now. Mel Hall. He won in '96. Yep. Mel Hall. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Point seven. God. God. Yeah. yeah! Let's go. All right. All right. Two minutes left. So uh, a guardian with three thousand career strikeouts, Bob Feller. We go Bob Feller. Sure. Judd. Sure. Feller. F. F E L L E R. From thirty six fifty six. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! You guys. What, what happened? No. Rapid Bob up. Feller did not have 
Oh, I'm sorry, dudes. What? Oh. All right, what? So, dang it. All right, so hold on here. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so for Cy Young, it's 3,000, and for Red Sox, 3,000. Um, I mean, you could do Clemens for both these Cy Young 3,000 ones. Um, I feel terrible. Dude, Bob Feller led the league in strikeouts for seven straight years. He also missed a couple years in World War II. Should I I put Clemens for Cy Young and maybe Pedro for Red Sox? Sure. So it's done. So we're done. Well, so we can't get a perfect one. Yeah, it's my fault. I'm sorry. Who would have thought? And Pedro. Mm. God dang it. Okay. Oh, (sighs) Macadam. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, boy. Oh, eight out of nine on the Immaculate Grid. Oh, CeCe Sabathia, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, David Ortiz was a common one for the Twins. Johan was a common one. CeCe was, yeah, the, the Gardos one, which we probably should have just one. I don't know that I would have guessed CeCe Sabathia had 3,000 strikeouts with confidence. If you would have said to me, Phil, more likely to have 3,000 strikeouts, CeCe Sabathia or Bob Feller. Yeah, I'm... I incorrectly would have said I Bob sh- Feller. I am shocked that Bob didn't get it. It looks 3, like uh, the Twins and Guardian Square has been the hardest one for people to grab. Yeah, it's because... A couple they're... Midwest teams. Yeah, because no one cares about the division. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take the L on that one. Pedro wow. Munoz, that was, uh, right? Pedro Munoz? I think he played... I think, played he, I think Matt he... Lawton? Yeah. Matt Lawton? That's, that's Jim a great Jim. one. Matt Lawton. I think Munoz Jim Tomey. Spencer. Jim Tomey. Yeah, that's that's we, we could have thought of that. That's not that exciting. Well, I will uh Where are they walk yet? on walk on eggshells next time. No, I don't want you to no, that, no, no, no. Immaculate grill Don't play like afraid, that, Phil. You know? Don't play afraid. Well, hey, it's back. The score north twin show. If you made it this far, if you could give us Thank a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts as we get this thing relaunched, and click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel. And let us know. Well, how about this one? Would you guys? Uh, so I like Declan's idea. Give him, give him a picture or two. What if you kicked in Matt Walner? Yeah, I thought about that as well. Give him Matt Walner. Mm-hmm. So Ober Walner, a prospect, because Goldschmidt makes it harder for Walner to get into a game, anyways, right? Because you're, now you're going to move Kirilov to, yeah, a corner spot. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, clearly well, they're you, not going to promote him. Jeez. What would you offer for Paul Goldschmidt? Or would you fire Rocco? Let us know in the YouTube comment sections. And then when the season's done, Falvey out the door, new administration. All right. The Scorner Twin Show is back with a vengeance. We just want the Twins to win a playoff game, damn it.